Blues News Now Sports has your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks, sponsored by University of Iowa Healthcare. November is a really important month for us. You know, that's when that's where everything is decided. Um, but you know, we to, to get the results that we want, we got to take it one week at a time and and, and focus and prepare each week um, like it's our last. We're just three weeks away from the end of the regular season. Welcome into Eye on the Hawks. Looking ahead to this Saturday's game against Rutgers. Joining us this week, former Hawkeye linebacker and current Cedar Rapids Jefferson head coach, Ed Miles. Ed, appreciate you being with us today in the studio. Nice to be here. Uh, now, Ed, it wasn't all that long ago that you were playing on the same Hawkeye team. Does this 2023 team look similar to some of the teams that you would have played for in 2005 and 6, or has much changed since your time with the Hawkeyes? Uh, no, pretty much the same. Uh, tough defense. Um, Try to control the ball with the offense uh, and just a lot of gritty. So, mm -hmm. yeah, pretty much the same. Yeah, Your fall gets pretty busy with coaching the Jayhawks, who, who had a really incredible season this year. Outside of your time as head coach, have you been able to continue following this Hawkeye team at all? Do you catch them on most Saturdays? Yeah. Uh, if they're home, I'm, I'm there at the game. Mm -hmm. um, if they're away, I'm sitting around the couch trying to be lazy and mm – -hmm and taking a good game. When you don't have dance recitals to go to with the kids, babe? When I don't have dance recitals to go to. That's coming up, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to ask first off, as you're here, I mean, what, what is it about this Iowa defense this year? As a defensive-minded guy, what's impressed you so far about what they bring to the table this season? Uh, just the, the ability to stop the run, hmm. the, the sure physicality that we play a defense, the guys um, moving around and flying around the field. Um, pretty good in the back end and really stout up front. And we're going to get a little bit more into that in a little bit. Well, named a captain of one of the Hawkeyes from day one of the season, Jay Higgins has put up some incredible numbers in the first nine games. The senior averages 12 and a half tackles a game. He's been named a semifinalist for the Buckus Award, given in the nation's best linebacker. And if he keeps at his average, Jay could break Iowa's single season tackles record, which has been around since 1972. My dad shows me the list, and as <laughs> soon as I see the title, I immediately just swipe out of it. I try to stay away. I try to stay away <laughs> from the list. Um, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where I don't want my focus to be there, um, and I feel like that that will severely affect affect my play if I'm more worried about um, gaining tackles than it is uh, helping the the defense get off the field. He goes out there and he's very physical, and he's very smart, and he knows what's going on. So. I think his ability to just be able to see the whole field and also be tuned into what he needs to be king is just it's big for him. There's a lot of pressure on that, Mike, uh, the middle linebacker. He's got a lot, lot of going on, you know, in terms of uh, checks, calls, all those things. Those guys get loaded down pretty good. I mean, it doesn't look like we're doing a lot, but there's a lot of communication going on. Uh, the offenses are doing a lot. So it's a really tough position. Uh, it takes a guy some maturity and a guy who's really invested and works hard and chases all that stuff. Now, Ed, you would have played the same linebacker position for the Hawkeyes roughly 17 or so years ago. Now, what does Jay bring to this team that has impressed you as a fellow linebacker? Uh, leadership and mm -hmm. a guy that gets the job done. Um, he, he understands the totality of the game, uh, where the players need to be set up. Um, uh, you see him a lot of times moving those linemen back and forth, um, trying to create those checks as the, the chess game is being played with the offense and the quarterback. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's everything in which um, I know that Coach Ferris and uh, Coach Parker want as a player. 
um, especially a Hawkeye. Hmm. Is there anybody in your time since you've been a linebacker in the last decade and a half or so, what linebacker has impressed you the most in terms of Hawkeyes? You know, is it is it Jay? Is it Jack Campbell, Seth Benson, a guy like that? Or who, uh, who has impressed you the most? Uh, I would say, I mean, I'm going to, I was I would say that's a tough question. Hmm. Let's say um, Pat Anger comes to mind. Hmm. That's because I um, I played um, above him, and so he was like one of the young guys that um, sort of like will go and give the X's and O's to and talk to him about. Um, so, but I think Jack Campbell is one of those guys you like don't come around very often. Yeah, and um, the things he was able to do. Uh, in the Hawkeye uniform is really, really impressive. Both on and off the field. You saw Coach Ferentz get so emotional just talking about Jack so often last year. Well, that record that Jay is approaching for most tackles in a single season, that's 171 by Andre Jackson. That was set in 1972. Why is it that you think that that record has stood around for so long? Um, why is it that nobody's been able to break that record since then? Uh, it's just, just opportunities. And when you got a lot of uh, great players around you, you know, some, sometimes you got to, like you got to share the load, right? And but I think those records they just they come, mm -hmm. right? You don't go out and set them and say, uh, this week I'm going to get ten tackles, I'm going to get fifteen tackles. You know, you just go out and play the games. And um, Higgins does a pretty good job of putting himself in the right places at the right times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if they make that Big Ten title game, make it to a bowl game, that record is very much in play for him. Oh, absolutely. Well, no rumors of Jay Higgins moving to offense, but on Saturday at Wrigley Field, we finally got our first glimpse of Cooper DeGene on offense, one of Iowa's most electric players. Had just one carry for eight yards, and now we wait and see if there's more offensive plays lined up for Cooper over the final few games of this season. Uh, I know now Kenny played both ways. Uh, the game was a little bit different back then, and uh, we didn't have the TV timeouts, and games didn't take six hours to play. You know, we've got a pretty good thing going defensively right now, so you really worry about, you know, disrupting that. You know, when you're playing defensive snaps and then you're on special teams as well, um, it's it's a little tough. Um, but I was saying earlier, it's it's really just, just playing football, and that's something that I love to do. I love to be on the field and, and doing whatever I can to, to help this team. Um, so I think I think that that really overrides me being tired or, or anything like that. It's just just the love I have, you know, to to be out there. You know, Ed, could you have done that when you were a Hawkeye, moved your way across the line, and played a little bit of offense when you were there? Yeah, give me some <laughs> running back carries or maybe the fullbacks. <laughs> uh, how difficult is this challenge for Cooper DeGene? That I mean, so many people have talked about him possibly moving over to play offense. How difficult is that really for a player to be able to try to play? Not even two sides of the ball, but he's a special teams guy too. Three sides of the ball. Um, pretty, pretty difficult. Um, you have to understand uh, every aspect of offense and defense and special teams um, where things need to be. Uh, but like he said himself, he's a football player. Mm -hmm. And we've all played at some point in time, especially in high school, we played both ways. Um, and the guy that loves to play football he can make it work. And so Cooper, Cooper DeGene is a really, really special player. Um, does a lot for offense and or for defense and special teams. Um, so trying to be creative and finding ways to get your playmakers the ball. Um, so I'm ha I was happy to see him out there uh, <laughs> last last week and hope to see him more. Yeah, I think all of us do. Uh, you've followed this Hawkeye team for the last couple decades or so. Does Cooper feel like one of those generational talents, a guy who only really comes along maybe once or twice in a lifetime? 
are pretty special. Yeah. Pretty special players. Um, so enjoy while you can. Uh, is there anybody that he reminds you of? I know that Kirk uh, compared him maybe to Micah Hyde is somebody that he said at least that also could have probably played offense. Anybody else that Cooper reminds you of? Um, no, I'll probably I'll probably stay with the uh, Micah Hyde. Hmm. Oh, you know what? Javon Johnson, hmm. when I came in, uh, he came in with, uh, with us in 2002. And he probably, with his uh, interception returns, hmm. like he's probably one that kind of stands out. Like he probably could have got been a pretty impactful player on the offense. Yeah. One of the reasons as a coach that you may want to avoid rocking the boat is injuries. Those have already been piling up for the Hawkeyes without even worrying about moving players from one side of the ball to another. On Saturday, three different Iowa offensive linemen went out with injuries at one point or another, including starting center Logan Jones. He was replaced by Tyler Ellsbury, and right now you're just hoping you have enough depth at each position to get you through the week. It's November, so we're in, we're dealing with a lot of that stuff. We had a lot of it going into the bye. And the bye got a lot of uh, got a lot of guys cleaned up uh, pretty well, so it helped uh, immensely. Um, we don't have the luxury of taking a week off now, so you never have enough depth. You never have enough guys that can play successfully, and hopefully. This will help move him forward, but uh, yeah, I thought he did a nice job, handled himself well, and played with poise. And um, you know, we'll see how it goes with Logan. But you know, he may be in there again at center. Or to your point, he's he's really a versatile guy. He can play in probably all, all positions on the line. So uh, yeah, just really proud of what he did Saturday. Well, these guys are always talking about the next man up mentality. But do you remember a time where there were the injuries to this many significant player position players on a Hawkeye team? It seems like this year really is kind of an outlier. Yeah, um, I think the year that comes to mind is, what is that, 2004? Hmm. Um, when we lost, I think we were down to our sixth running back. And <laughs> yes. So many guys tore the ACLs yeah. that year. Um, but that's uh, similar uh, similarities be between the teams. Um, that, that, that preach of next man up, um, you really have to really believe it. Hmm. Um, and you have to be uh, there. And Coach Ferentz, I know he still preaches his, hey, it's next man up. You never know when your number is going to be called. Mm -hmm. um, you just got to make sure you're ready. And those injuries have led to the emergence of another tight end on Iowa's roster, Addison Ostranga, who began the year as the fourth tight end on the depth chart, but with injuries to Luke Lachey and Eric All, he's now stepped in as the number one option, catching his first touchdown pass on Saturday afternoon. It's just helped a lot that we have uh, leaders on this team like Luke and Eric to help me um, progress and get better. And um, it's definitely been it's been a different season, but we're we're working to improve and get better every day. There's nothing he doesn't like about this whole thing, and um, it's it's infectious. It's uh, you know when he's in the huddle, we're we're better off with him in there because of the way he just the way he operates and the, you know, the energy that uh, comes out of him, you know, just from being out there. And some guys have that ability, uh, it's just how they're wired. And he, he just happens to be one of those guys and he's, he's playing good football too. And this is one of those stories where you feel bad for guys like Luke and Eric going down, but now a kid like Addison gets his opportunity. Did, do you remember any situations like this, maybe where a guy went down and somebody else had to step up and, and, and they did so in a really impressive way? Uh, Sam, Sam Brownlee hmm. um, stepped in uh, when I, don't, I want to say Marcus Simmons, he might have went down with an injury. It was during that same time. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it was just a testament of uh, guys just going in and they know that they have a job to do and they do it to the best of their abilities. And as long as this game allows you to, uh, to really stand out in that way of 
understanding when my opportunity is, is available or called upon, then I go in and I cash in. Mm -hmm. How's your tight end analysis expertise? Uh, can you can you weigh in on the uh, tight end uh, abilities? I, I think uh, Abdul Hodge can does a little <laughs> bit better job than I do, but um, but no tight end. The, the, the position has evolved um, tremendously mm -hmm. um, throughout the years, and Iowa's been one of the, um, like, the programs to look upon, uh, putting out really, really good talent. Mm -hmm. I mean, it shows uh, with the guys we have in the NFL right now. Um, so I, I, I think with that position, I think we're going to be fine. It shows that, I mean, well, he was coming in as the fourth, fourth string, <laughs> and now he's uh, looked to be uh, one of the most impact players on offense. So that's good. First and goal at the two-yard line, then second and goal at the half-yard line, and no points to show for it. Four straight plays, Iowa pushed the Wildcat offense back. One of the most impressive defensive stands we've ever seen under Phil Parker. I was ready for any trickery. I was sitting on the edge just waiting for, you know, a rollout or some, like, pass or something. But, yeah, they kept trying to pound it in there, and our guys in the interior definitely, like, held it down. So I'd say the goal line stands just everything a linebacker dreams, dreams of. I mean, just being out there, jumbo personnel, you bring in. Uh, extra D linemen, get all those DBs and stuff off the field, you know, <laughs> and um, you, it's it's you're just having fun at that point. It's tackle football, backyard football, how you used to play. So, I mean, I, that's one of my biggest dreams is to stop a team um, with four chances on the two yard line or something like that. I just really, really proud of my guys because that's the definition of a, a team defense right there. Ed Miles back with us tonight on the Hawks. Ed, you had an eerily similar situation during your time as a Hawkeye in the Carrier Dome at Syracuse in 2006. What was it, seven straight plays, something like that, you pushing back in overtime? Uh, you have a group chat going with any old teammates, anything like that, where you were talking about that play on Saturday? No, but uh, we'll, we'll bring it up with, when we're <laughs> just hanging out uh, with each other whenever we get together, any like reunions or anything like that comes in, comes uh, to play. But, uh, but no, it's that in a sense, um, is what you, why you lift weights, hmm. is what the, the weight program, your strength and conditioning program is all about. Um, and then, like Higgins said, it's, it's that team, uh, just team defense uh, definition. Um, it's not easy. Like, you, got, you need one yard, or you need half of a yard. Um, and I remember uh, when you're in it, when we were playing Syracuse, I, I still remember not once thinking like, what if they get in? It's like it was just, all right, next play, next play. And then a couple of calls of pass interference um, gave them more chances. And, and then in the huddle, we were just saying, hey, guys, we got to do our job. Just do our job. And in those, in those scenarios, everyone needs to do um, their job. And that's what happened. It, it speaks almost to the fearlessness you have to have as a defensive player because there, I think it was on the third down play that – Jay Higgins just came running and met a guy just head on and tackled him. I mean, is that is that kind of the approach you have to take in that in that instance where you have to rely on that strength training you've done in the offseason and leading up to that point? Yeah, that's where your your confidence comes in, along with your like having confidence in your abilities, but your strength, right? The work you put in day in and day out in the summer or all through the years. Um, and to be able to like pinpoint and come down and say, hey, may the best man win, but I'm gonna put my body out there on the line. And if you run through me, then props to you. If not, <laughs> then 
yay for me. Yeah. Well, take us back now to September 9th, 2006, as a defensive front. What are you all saying to each other in those moments when you know that the game is on the line? Uh, do your job. Hmm. Do your job. Do your job. Next play. Next play. Um, when I think Pasco got flagged for pass interference, <laughs> that was bogus. But, you know, um, we just said, hey, we can't worry about that. Do your job. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody believe. And you always, everybody has to be on that same page. Right? Mm-hmm. If you got one person, especially on the line that doesn't have faith, then next thing you know, that individual is in the linebacker's uh, lap. And no, it's good get-offs and uh, way to uh, hold strong. And it's one of those things that's going to be remembered for a very, very long time. The one th- difference that separated that game from this one is that that was an overtime. I mean, you made that last stop and that was the end of the game. Do you remember maybe what was going through your head at that moment when you guys made that last stop and you were able to run off the field and celebrate? Yeah, thinking about what we just what we just did. <laughs> I, I thought about the goal line stands. When I was a kid, Florida State played Kansas, hmm. and they had a pretty decent goal line sense, and that's exactly what I thought about. Now, that game was, like, not even close, but um, the significance of what we just did to have a team have, what, eight, nine plays at the one-yard line, and we were still able to uh, overcome that, that's pretty, pretty darn good. Well, Drew Stevens was named the Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week after drilling that 53-yarder on Saturday. Special Teams continues to be Iowa's calling card. And this week, Mitch Fick talks to Special Teams Coordinator LeVar Woods about how this unit brings its best week in and week out. When you've got a guy like Cooper or even going back to to Charlie and Amir, when you've got a guy back there returning kicks and punts that you know is a game-breaker, is there a way to scheme for him to to help – block different ways it's not like offense where you just okay let's just get him the ball as much as we can you got to rely on the the punter to be kicking the ball in the first place but how do you best utilize a a guy that can change the game with one return yeah i think that's a a great question i mean like i said i just walked off the practice field uh that's what we just got done doing is scheming trying to get the guy the ball trying to get the ball in his hands trying to uh, block better for him uh, and letting him do what he does best and uh, certainly something we work on each day and, and each week. It's something we focus on heavily in um, during spring football uh, and then also during uh, during fall camp. So more the, more so the uh, technical aspect of it and um, the finer pieces to that, uh, less about the actual the actual scheme put together, but more about the fundamentals of how to how to block and how to hold someone up so we can spring the returner. And so many Hawkeyes got their start on special teams. Was was that your story too? Did some of your first reps come on special teams? Yes, um, be an impact player on special teams. Um, you know, now people, in order to be a great special teams um, uh, core or, or group, you really have to buy into what the coaches um, is telling you and the the culture of like, hey, we're one of the best special teams groups in the nation. Hmm. Um, and that's that's been pretty uh, prominent um, in this uh Iowa. It's it's easy for people to forget about across the nation. I don't know if that's the case in Iowa anymore because I feel like Iowans really do appreciate their special teams units right now after what they've put through this program. Tell us as a head coach if you could put into words how important it is to have special teams and good, you know, a good punter, a good long snapper, a good kicker, guys that can go out there and you can rely on them. Um well, and you you need them in a crucial moments, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, those those uh, key plays and key moments, they, they come into play, and that's when most people just put it to the wayside. But when you really need them, now you're, everybody's on their, 
their toes and hoping and wishing that this guy becomes a hero. Hmm. Um, but no, it's like I, I started, I think the, I bought in the special teams um, by watching a guy like Bob Sanders, who was hmm. a starter, right? And if you guys, if you know, the, if you're an Iowa fan, you know the name Bob Sanders. Um, but seeing how he, the effort he put in on, on special teams and the impact that he made. And so it was, it was, for me, it was like, if he can do it, and I definitely can do it. And mm-hmm. so um, special teams is it's the forgotten phase of the game. A lot of people just put it through the wayside, but it's a, it's a phase of the game that you can gain an edge um, that plays a big part to the end of the game. A lot of people are going to remember that 53-yarder at Wrigley Field for a long time. Do you have a special teams play, especially maybe a game-winning field goal, anything from your career that sticks out that you were on the sideline for that, uh, that really sticks in your memory bank? I'm trying to think. Any close games? I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure Nate Kading made a couple of mm-hmm. big plays. Yeah. Um, but impact plays, a couple of fumbles, big hits. Um, that's I was known for a lot of like going down and doing some big hits on <laughs> some of the guys, especially on kickoff. Mm-hmm. Kickoff is my favorite. Um, but but no, it's just just any any plays of. Uh, where it's going to swing the game. Oh, I got one. The the first time Outback Bowl in 2003, I want to say, okay. or 2000, it would have been the 2003 season, or 2004, um, we played Florida Gators. And I remember those guys, because being from Florida, we got a lot of confidence <laughs> in ourselves and stuff, mm-hmm. and you probably felt like, oh, no team from from uh, Iowa is going to come down and, and like, beat us. And and I just remember thinking, it's like, he must have known we got like 14 guys from Florida here, a couple, like 10 guys from Texas. Um, so we, we have a confidence in, in our abilities also. And having that game change where we get, I think, did we have one? I know we had one uh, block punt, hmm. um, but we just dominated the special teams hmm. aspect of that game and it really opened the gates for, for us. <laughs> have an identity, a uh, vision of where they're going, you know, what they want to look like and how they want to play. And, um, you know, bottom line, it's working really well. Looking at Rutgers could be a little like looking in the mirror for the Hawkeye football team, a team they've never lost to and a chance to pick up an eighth win this weekend. Curtis Fader takes us inside Iowa's opponent this Saturday. Earlier in the year, if you heard Rutgers would be the toughest team left in Iowa's home stretch of games, you would start truly asking why I'm employed. But that is the case here. The Scarlet Knights, 6-3, and three, and just gave Ohio State a run for its money. And its biggest strength in spearheading that turnaround is the defense. Rutgers' defense allowing less than 18 points per game while forcing 13 turnovers this season. More than what Iowa's defense has been able to force this year against a slightly tougher slate of opponents thus far. They held the future second overall pick in the NFL draft Marvin Harrison to just 25 yards last week. While the Hawkeyes do see a lot of themselves in this Scarlet Knights' D, the offense that has struggled mightily this season will have to match the physicality of Rutgers' front to be able to put points on the board. Right, they don't have uh, Max Llewellyn, but I mean, <laughs> I, like, I know what you're saying. They definitely play tough, and it's going to be kind of the same thing, which is nice. You know, that's what you practice you, what you practice against all fall camps. I'd say they've definitely gotten better since last year, and they're like, the, like you said, they're physical, they're quick. Um, I think the biggest thing is just going to be out-physicaling them and, and working every single play. 
It wouldn't be a Big Ten contest without the Hawkeyes having a talented running back to keep an eye on. Rutgers junior Kyle Monongai is averaging over 100 yards on the ground per game, along with rushing for seven touchdowns this season. Monongai is also currently peaking in performance, averaging an impressive 138 yards per game over the last three games for the Scarlet Knights, including last week's 159-yard performance against Ohio State. Taking a running back is... No abnormal task for this elite Hawkeye defense, but it will be a requirement in order for Iowa to pull out a win on Saturday. Now, managing running backs is something the Hawkeye defense typically eats for breakfast. Only running back to successfully rush for over 100 yards against them this year, Nathan Carter from Michigan State. Now, Iowa's currently in the driver's seat of the Big Ten West, but this week could be crucial for the Hawkeyes to separate themselves from the pack to get to Indianapolis. Ed Miles back with us on here, uh, Eye on the Hawks. Now, Ed, you predated the Big Ten version of Rutgers by uh, quite a few years. Do you have much input on the Scarlet Knights this season? Uh, have you been able to see very much out of them? You know what they bring to the table? No, I watched the, uh, the Ohio State game, um, and I was <laughs> the only reason I clicked over is like, why is Ohio State in a struggle with uh, Rutgers? <laughs> but it's just a testament of the, uh, the buy-in that um, those players have um, – um, bought, bought into the, what the coaches is, is preaching to them, mm -hmm. and and they are they are a tough team, and they got a tough defense. It's gonna be it's gonna be a tough game. It's gonna be a grindy, a grindy and grimy type game. Mm -hmm. um, but I just think for for us, in order for us to be successful, got to have that mode of just do your job. Do your job to the fullest. Don't try to do anybody else's job. I said especially like on defense, um, just keep doing what you've been doing. Um, play within the defense, play hard, play tough. Um, if you know you have contained, stay outside, don't dip inside. Um, if you know you're supposed to fill the alley, fill the alley. Um, if you know you're in uh, cover zero, just stay with your man. Don't try to do anybody else's job, just do your job. You've got senior day coming up next week and then North uh, the Nebraska game the week after that. Is this a possible trap game that they could overlook Rutgers or does Kirk Ferentz even allow trap games to happen? No, I, I don't. I don't think. I, I don't think any any uh, trap game is going to be on 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 the minds of any of these guys. I, I think they understand how the season has gone and um, and taking it one game at a time. And you can't overlook this team of Rutgers. They're a tough team, yeah. and, and it's it's funny that they are saying like very similar, um, like looking across. And our offense, they they go up against our defense a, a lot through it all the offseason and stuff, so they should be prepared. Yeah, a lot of mutual respect, I think, between Coach Ferentz and Greg Schiano. Yep. I guess it would depend on the day. Like, today I'll probably do, like, 5,000 or so, but then, like, the day before the game, I'll probably hit, like, 8 or 9, and then day of the game I'll probably do, like, 10, I bet. And I'll probably eat like 3,000 during the game, two to 3,000 during the game. You just keep eating. Like, I mean, it's not fun. But you just got to keep eating. Kids don't try this at home. That is the dietary plan of Jennings Dunker during game week. Caloric intake reaching 10,000 calories on game day. Ed, take us back to your Hawkeye playing days. What was your diet plan like during the week? Do you even remember uh, back then? I don't remember. I remember <laughs> Coach, uh, Coach Doyle being ticked off that I wasn't getting enough weight. Um, I, I, my metabolism was like super high. And I, during the season, I would lose a lot of weight. Hmm. Um, I remember being happy to get him off my back of uh, when I weighed 233 for my junior year. And then by the end of the season, um, before we played Minnesota, 
Mm -hmm. I weighed 209. Really? And yeah, and they oh, they let me hear it on that one. <laughs> I wasn't doing it on purpose. I, I ate as much as I can. Um, no, but uh, don't follow my diet. Um, we In my freshman year during the summer, I literally ate nothing but McDonald's. <laughs> Five bucks goes a long way with... Uh, uh, double, two double cheeseburger, uh -huh. McChicken, a small fry, and thanks to being in the football program, you get your drinks for free. So some Gatorades or some, <laughs> some milkshakes and stuff like that. So, no. Nah. Listen, I spend a lot of time on the road. I know well about uh, making, your, <laughs> making your dollars stretch there at McDonald's. Uh, Ed, you spend a little bit of time there in the NFL. I always like asking former NFL guys about guys you see on this current Hawkeye roster that you think have the chance to make it at the next level, guys who could play in the league one day, you think. Um, specific names or just yeah specific names anybody that really sticks out that you're like that guy's going to play on Sunday uh, Higgins. Yeah. Higgins really gonna, okay. uh, Higgins will play on Sundays um, um, Cooper DeJean mm -hmm. he's a playmaker he'll play on Sundays or at least have the opportunities um, the guys who are and then X mm. um, X is uh, he's still growing um, he'll still continue to improve as a player so in a couple of years when he's uh, a senior, I mm -hmm. think people are really going to be um, surprised and uh, not really surprised, but really pleased to see where he ends up at. I, I'm, I'm interested to hear you say Xavier Wampa's name. I mean, what is it you've seen out of him so far? I mean, he's been very good. He had a pick six in the bowl game last year. But what have you seen out of him that makes you confident that he's a guy that's going to play in the NFL? He, he constantly continues to improve. Mm -hmm. um, and as you're watching young guys play, you want to continue to see the development. And him being a football player, I can't stress that enough. I always use that term. Like, it's a difference from just playing football and being a football player. Um, and you tend, to, I tend to go with those guys who are football players. Well, that's going to do it for our, uh, for Eye on the Hawks this week. But we're going to get into our Week 11 game picks first. Game of the week. It's a Big Ten East battle. Third-ranked Michigan's biggest test to date. The Wolverines are four-and-a-half-point favorites in Happy Valley against Pink's Penn State for big noon kickoff on Fox 28. Ed, do you think that Michigan State's perfect in this game, or will Penn State give them a good test? I think Penn State will keep it close um, for the first three quarters, but I think Michigan will pull away in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. um, if this was a night game and a whiteout, I would definitely go Penn State for the upset. Michigan but, still got a lot of turmoil going over there. Just never know quite what you're going to see out of them this week, uh, from week to week, but boy, they've looked impressive so far. That's true. Uh, the Hawks have Illinois next week, and Illini hosting an Indiana team that just beat Wisconsin. <laughs> Illinois is six and a half point favorites. Do the Hoosiers get two upsets over West teams in a row? What do you think about this one? Uh, I'm going to go Illinois. Hmm. Uh, I think Bilma will have his guys ready to go. Um, and coming off of that win uh, last week, I'm going to stick with the Illini on this one. Yeah, they've started to pick things up in the second half of the season, started to look a little bit better. And moving on to the main course, Hawkeyes hosting Rutgers, a program they've never lost to. Only have played three times since the Scarlet Knights joined the Big Ten. Rutgers took a lead into halftime against Ohio State last week. Not really a pushover. Ed, I assume you're picking the Hawkeyes to win this one. Do you think it's going to be a close one, or do they pull away late? Uh, close game. Yeah. Um, and all the way through, if we just might need a, a, a late field goal. Mm -hmm. um, but don't, don't be surprised if it's a two-score game. Really? Okay. Don't be surprised if it's a two-score game. And again, we want to thank Ed Miles. who's doing a great job. We love watching you over there at Cedar Rapids Jefferson. Thanks for being thank with you. us today. Thank you for All having right. me. Thanks, and uh, enjoy the game this weekend.